everybody. Is that what you say? You, that's what you say. Well, hello, dear listeners. That's what welcome. That's what I say. Hmm. Should I say it again or just keep going? Yeah, I would keep going. I think you nailed it the second time perfectly. <laughs> First time. Welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. Hmm. I'm your host, Jason Johnston Yellen, aka the Whiskey Wizard, aka Dramgalf, courtesy of Lee Atwood at Backwoods Distilling. Joined the Whiskey Cherub. Do you have Do you have anything else going on, Whiskey Cherub? Sir, are there other names that that Joshua Hatton, Joshua Morrissey Hatton, is known by? No, you know, in 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 high school, there were some people that called me Joshua the Mosher. You know. Mm-hmm. You that know? sounds like it's a Northeast accent thing. I don't think I could pull off that rhyme. I think you could do it. Try it. Just try it. Joshua the Mosher. Joshua the Mosher? Joshua the Mosher. <laughs> <laughs> First time. So in this, in this podcast, one of us brings a news story to the attention of the other. We read it in the first half, we riff on it in the second half, and we always try to get out of here in a tight 30 to 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. I was the reason for the season in the last episode, but before you and I hit record today, Joshua, I asked if I could be the reason for the season this episode as well. You and did. you seemed okay with it. Are you still okay with it? I, I don't know. It just seemed as if I didn't have a choice. Like you didn't, you didn't make it. It was an ultimatum, basically. My podcast, my rules, I think is how you said it. You kept banging the table. My podcast, my rules. I very nearly choked on my Lagavulin 11 Offerman Guinness edition there. Well, I am not choking on my Lagavulin 2017 distillery only edition. I'm just enjoying it. I like the fact that we're going to keep it in the Diageo family today, even if we're not able to keep it <laughs> to Barora. Mm-hmm. So we've pulled an article from the Spirits Business. I say we. Technically, Jason has done so. But we have pulled um, an article from the Spirits Business. Barora Distillery restarts production after 38 years. Authored by Nicola Carruthers, who we have had well, yeah. as the author yeah. of Note in, in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. This went live 19th of May, 2021. Subheading, Diageo has restarted production at the refurbished Brora Distillery in Scotland following a multi-million pound investment. And on, on one hand, I think this is interesting. I would imagine anybody who's listening to a Whiskey News podcast already knows this news. Yeah. But there's a there's a wider conversation to be had here after we do the reading of the article. So here we go for our, our first half here. In October 2017, Diageo pledged a £35 million, £46 million US dollar investment to restart production at closed distilleries Port Ellen and Brora. Okay, so it was that amount between the two. Ah, okay, good. Good, good, good. Okay, go on. Both sites were mothballed in 1983. Mm -hmm. Brora and Port Ellen are two of the most highly collectible Scotch whiskies in the world. The great, great Mark what joke when he was at Cadenheads? Uh, 
How do you make sure your distillery becomes highly sought after and highly collectible? Close it. Close it. Yep. Checks out. Works every time. There is. I love it. That's one of the best sentences I've heard. Diageo gained planning approval to restore Brora's original buildings in October 2018. As part of a three-year restoration project, the Sutherland-based Brora distillery was taken down and reconstructed stone by stone to replicate the site when it was new in 1819. Wow. <laughs> so, so like, part of it was still up, and they said, you know what? To do this right, let's let's tear it down and... Take and, it down. Why do you build me up? Build me up just to... Okay, never mind. That didn't work. Continue. The renovated site is capable of another 200 years of production, according to Diageo. As one of Diageo's smallest distilleries, Brora has the capacity to produce 800,000 litres of spirit annually. Wow, I didn't realise it was that small. Wow. It's just okay. a wee teeny tiny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Still that's twice the size the of size. Kilhoman, but... And, and that, that's always my thought. It's twice yeah. the size of Kilhoman. It's half the size of Talisker. It's half the... Or half the capacity yeah. of Talisker. Half the capacity of Highland Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always good to have those big names mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. as uh, balances. Sutherland native and Brora master distiller Stuart Bowman officially marked the launch by opening the site's gates and filling the first cask of Brora spirit in more than 38 years. Bowman's father was the last exciseman at the distillery. The exciseman being the tax man, the tax person, the tax official, if you will, Joshua. This this guy, Bowman, Scott Bowman, you said his name was? He always has these questions in the middle of a sip. Uh, it is Stuart. Stuart. Is he the chap? Scotty the Bowman yeah. was the famous coach who led the Detroit Red Wings Detroit to Red multiple Wings. Stanley it's Cup Multiple victories. Stanley Cup victories, yes. That's who um, you were thinking that's of. That's who I was because I love the NFL. Um, so this, <laughs> this Stuart Bowman, is he the chap with the big long beard? I've been seeing pictures of... He is. He is. He is. Okay, that he's beard the man is front majestic. and center. It, that beard is majestic. Okay. He's a, he's a good looking Scottish man. Yep, yep, indeed. Bowman worked with industry specialists and archivists in reinstating the distillery and its spirits. <laughs> and its spirit, singular. <laughs> Bowman said, We have gone to every effort to replicate as closely as possible the conditions, equipment, and processes from Brora in 1983 in order to recreate the spirit for which the distillery is famous. His quote continues, The original pair of Brora stills were carefully refurbished by our highly skilled coppersmiths. We raised up the original pagoda roof to conduct intricate repairs Hmm. and rebuilt the stillhouse brick by brick using original Brora stone to restore this historic Victorian 
Distillery. That is very cool. Have you have you been? Well, I'll, I'll ask you afterwards. I, I do have questions for you. We have a subheading here. A, a subheading quote: "New Dawn." Hmm. Okay. Which I'm guessing Red Sonia had been used. <laughs> the facility has also <laughs> installed a biomass boiler. Powered by sustainably sourced wood chips from northern mm. Scotland. Remember the day we were at Tomatin mm-hmm. and we were spending some time with Graham Yunson mm-hmm. and he was talking about the new boiler that they just brought on site and were running and operating and it was a wood chip I boiler that. I re- at Tomatin. Wow. Okay. That's very cool. I forgot about that, but this is a good reminder. Yep. There's another quote coming from another person, so hold on tight. Ewan Andrew, Hmm. Diageo's president of supply chain and procurement, Hmm. said, This is a new dawn for Brora, a distillery that is a beautiful new jewel in the crown of our portfolio in Scotland. I am particularly proud that Brora will be a carbon neutral distillery entirely powered by on-site renewable energy. Hmm. This marks a major milestone on our journey to invest in Scotland, its rural communities and the future of Scotch whisky. End quote. We have a few more lines from from Nicola, the author, the mm-hmm. journalist. Brora, which sits within the Diageo Reserve portfolio of premium and above spirits. That's interesting. Premium and above spirits. Yeah. Recently released a trio of single malts aged from 38 to 48 years. Brora will welcome a small number of visitors by appointment only from July. Tours will include tastings of rare Brora releases and a new distillery exclusive bottling called the Brora Distillery Collection. Colon, hidden beneath, comma, a Brora 1982 39-year-old. I just wanted to get the punctuation in there because I didn't want it to come across as the the Brora Distillery Collection hidden beneath a Brora 1982 39-year-old because then you might imagine smaller samples hidden underneath an individual Mm. bottle. So I thought the punctuation was important there. Mm -hmm. Yep, well done. Final sentence. Isla-based Portellan is also due to begin production this year after Diageo received planning approval in January 2020. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's the article. There's plenty for you and I to, to riff off on the back of that. Mm-hmm. So let's take a musical interlude and I will see you in part two. So bringing us back to the the reason 
that I wanted to, to take over this podcast that was meant to be on your watch was you and I covered the Falkirk mm-hmm. distillery coming to life. We talked a bit about Holyrood. Mm-hmm. We talked about challenges that new producers face. And I think it's interesting that here we have Brorellin. <laughs> oh, you're going to say That's so good. Brorellin. Oh, Lord. Um, Rose Brorellin. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Here we have Brora and poor Ellen, phoenixes from the flames. Mm-hmm. And we have Rosebank. And I think it's interesting to see distilleries that were closed for particular reasons and obviously we know and we had it in the article 83 for both Brora and Port Ellen. Off the top of your head, do you recall the closure year for Rosebank? I thought that Rosebank was also 1983 but now you've got me like I, I, I'm always confident with my dates until I'm asked about them. Yeah, right. If we're going to go, if we're going on the record and we don't want to be havering then we might want something a little more solid in place here. Uh, until it closed its gates in 1993. So there was a three in there, but it it, it wasn't victim to the 80s okay. closures. Yeah. yeah, I would have... If you'd asked me in the street what year do you think Rose Bank closed, I probably would have given you an 86 on that one. But now from internet research, we know it's 93. So the point is this, Joshua. Mm. These three distilleries closed for reasons, Mm -hmm. right? And then they develop a following and people go in search of Port Ellen and Brora and Rosebank. And Diageo have have had the Broras and the Port Ellens in the annual releases series. Mm -hmm. And the prices have become more and more and more expensive. And you can see the appeal there of bringing it back to life, right? Well, sure. what's, what's the cost on bringing it back to life? What could we sell more spirit for? Now, obviously, young Port Ellen isn't going to sell at the same price as old Port Ellen, and young Brora is not going to sell for the same price as, as old Brora. But what's interesting in that article there mm-hmm. is it sounds like a bespoke project. You hear the, the reclamation of original stones. You hear about built to Victorian standards. Mm-hmm. You hear about the refurbishment of the original stills. And here we're talking original being the stills that were in place when it closed. Mm-hmm. Clearly not the original stills from when it was originally built. Mm-hmm. Then you hear about coming to the distillery by appointment where you will taste a lot of old Brora. I, I'm going to... This isn't quite the term that I want to use, but it's getting at what I'm suggesting here, uh-huh. which is, it sounds a little bit like a vanity project. Do you know what I mean by that? I, Where yeah. it sounds very precious and we know capacities around 800,000 litres. Yes, that's twice a Kilhoman, but it's half of a Talisker. <laughs> It's, it's not coming to life as a powerhouse distillery. It's not going to be Brora going into blends 
for Diageo. Mm. It's it sounds to me like it's going to be at least predominantly a standalone single malt distillery that's going to trade in the name brora and the association with those expensive old brewers. And so I'm curious from reading that and from looking over the project, what's your take on Brora rising reborn from the ashes after 38 years dormant? First and foremost, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for any distillery opening, any distillery reopening. I think it's just, it's wonderful for the category writ large. I'm, I'm excited. Um, however, and I think what I'm about to say may, may talk more about Port Ellen than, than Brora. And I simply say this just because I've had younger Port Ellen. I haven't had much younger Brora. I think the youngest Brora I've ever had was maybe a 19 year old, something like that. But, and right. So I'm going to pivot, I'm going to pivot to Port Ellen here just, just briefly, but, but hear me out. You're welcome to. One of the reasons why Port Ellen was never released as a single malt is because the flavor profile of Port Ellen at a younger age was not one that really fit the palates of the drinker of the you know of those decades that it was around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why Port Ellen has become so incredibly popular is people have gotten to know their whiskeys at 25 to 39 plus years old and they're experiencing that particular flavor profile. Both you and I have had younger teen Port Ellens and older 30 Port Ellens and the two animals could not be any more different. And so I, I wonder if the same will ring true for Brora. Again, I haven't had younger, younger stuff, so I can't say for certain. But it, it's in, it'll be interesting to watch how Diageo positions this because if they're expecting to say, hey, now we're releasing Brora again and it tastes just like what you remember. No, you're going to have... How old are you, Jason? You're 47? You're going to have to wait until you're in your 70s to understand if Brora is doing, will be doing now what it was doing way back then. So I imagine that they're, they're going to be write, rewriting history. They're going to be, this is the new age for Port Ellen. This is the new age for Brora. This is the new age for Rosebank, right? With Ian McLeod owning Rosebank. But I, I think both companies, Ian McLeod with Rosebank and Diageo with Brora and Port Ellen, will have to tread carefully on how they tell that story. Yeah, I love your use a moment ago of positioning because I love the idea of there being an affordable eight-year Brora on the market. Yeah, love it. I I love the idea of there being even a five- or a six-year-old Port Ellen, you know, (laughs) affordable, on the market. I like the idea of a new generation of single malt drinkers having access to two more distilleries. And I think that was your kind of earlier opening comment there of, 
new distilleries are an exciting thing mm -hmm. as as drinkers as fans on the business side i'm curious about positioning i'm curious about storytelling but i'm also and, and why i wanted us to return to this or why i want us to cover this particular topic is if you're hollywood you're blazing a brand new trail mm. even they even though they want a position within edinburgh or the lowlands or traditional grains or what mm. have you mm -hmm. right if or if you're falkirk you're blazing a brand new trail if you're poor Ellen, something has been laid down. Consumers do have an idea as they come to you. Exactly. Brora, as you just yeah. um, laid out there. Rosebank, as you just suggested a moment ago. And so, yes, you've got this wonderful opportunity in front of you, but you've also got expectations. Mm -hmm. And what do you do in the face of those expectations? Uh, well, I, I thought it was interesting... And I, and I agree with your statement that it was interesting that you said it will be nice to have a, an affordable eight-year-old Brora, an affordable eight-year-old Port Allen, et cetera. But I do wonder if you're spending, you know, what's the equivalent of 46 million U.S. dollars to rebuild distilleries, one of them stone by stone from the bottom up, are you creating a brand that releases an affordable whiskey or are you coming out the gate as, no, th this is going to be luxury. It's going to start off as luxury and it will grow to be even more luxurious. I hope that's not the case. I hope they, you know, and again, we, we bring up Kilhoman a lot because it's a favorite of ours, but what I've liked about Kilhoman and what I like seeing about Holyrood and, and what I hope to start discovering with Falkirk is you're able to follow this distillery's birth and evolution. And I would love it if they, Diageo, are willing to bring on more passengers in this evolutionary ride rather than premiumatizing the seats on the bus to, to bring in fewer people to enjoy that evolution, that rebirth of of the whiskey. So again, it's back to positioning. How are how are they going to do it? And maybe they could do both, right? There's something to be said for, you know, he, he here's our standard stuff, but here's a special release, you know. So I, they're smart. They they can likely figure that out. I just hope that they're thinking of all people again. And and I know there's things that you want to say, but I just want to add this in. You talked about the tours that uh, Nicola Carruthers had mentioned in the article. What the article didn't specify was that the three tours were in the hundreds of pounds uh, per ticket, but that included special tastings of old, rare, you know, 30-some-odd-year-old brewers. Well, the fact it's so, by appointment only. And it's by appointment, right? <laughs> it's not just pitch up in a bus with a group, which, you know, Whiskey and visitor centres don't really operate that way anymore anyway. Um, you know, you, you really do need to be calling ahead and, and getting a yeah. spot. But this this by appointment only, I almost read as invitation only, where, it, you know, it, 
is it open to the public? You I, know, is, it, is there a wee tasting room for a wee cappuccino crumpet? I would suggest you price things properly. It is by invitation only. <laughs> well, there is certainly a segment who have not been invited. Um, but, I, but I tell you what gives me hope, and this is what I wanted to say a moment ago, mm. is we, we are hopeful with the Port Ellen positioning, the Brora positioning, just talking about Diageo at the moment, where that Lagavulin eight-year-old coming out in the 40s of dollars, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. You know, coming out for 40-something, depending on your market, depending on your mileage, for an eight-year-old for a product that has a very expensive 37-year-old Lagavulin, mm -hmm. right? Where we talked on One Nation Under Whiskey about the 16-year-old Lagavulin in some markets now being triple digits, where that, you know, was always on the slightly more expensive side, but it was still considered a daily dram, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Then you've got, you know, and, and we talked about, you know, me get, having it in my glass earlier, the, the Lagavulin 11, the Offerman edition in, in Guinness. You know, again, depending on your market, you could be looking at $90, $95. It might hit $100. Um, that, that's kind of pricey for this special release. But the special release isn't priced the same way as the eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I, that's that's really what I'm watching this space and seeing how will how will consumers new to Port Ellen and Brora be be brought into the fold. And again, Diageo is smart. Diageo yes, knows the yes, value yes, yes. of whiskey tourism. It knows the value of people showing up at your distillery. Very much what we talked about for new distillers opening their doors. Mm -hmm. As you're waiting on that spirit coming of age, you want people walking in the door. The, the situation for Diageo is slightly different is you still have aged Barora and still have aged Port Ellen that you can sell in your annual releases while you're waiting on the new Barora and the new Port Ellen coming of age. So definitely a different wrinkle there. But interestingly, to bring in another distillery, mm -hmm. when we were friendly with Stuart Nickerson and Ronnie Rutledge and Graham Yunson, when they were reopening Glenglassa. Yeah, sure. In, in 2008, where they had old Glenglassa stock and then they had new make spirit mm -hmm. and they had old Glenglassa in the, the 40s year old, oh, yeah. you know, going in those pear shaped bottles and getting a great, great reputation, you know, for what new ownership we're trying to achieve mm -hmm. with a newly reopened distillery. There was a point, I'd have to double check the numbers, but even up until a few years ago, it remained true. At the time of reopening, Glenglassa had spent more years closed than it had spent open. <laughs> and it was one of those yeah. stop-start distilleries, not yes. like it was open for 40 and then closed for 40. It was open and then it was shut for a bit and then it was reopened and then it was reshut. And But yeah, at the time of reopening 2008, it had spent more time closed than open. So there you were trying to tell the story of this newly opened distillery and there was Stuart Nickerson working hard to get the spirit that shall not speak its name mm -hmm. because it was, you know, a blush spirit and it had a little bit of wine maturation going on in there or a little, little bit of kind of dressing up mm -hmm. to be interesting to mixologists. Um, and at a time when not a lot of distilleries were being built or reopened, and then folks say, yeah, I don't really want your new stuff, but I really like that old stuff you had. <laughs> what, what, what have you got in the mid-teens or the young 20s? Uh, uh, 
none. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Um, like there, there's that. And then as, as Brora and poor Ellen age out of the older stock, where will they, they then be if it's bringing in a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10, a 12? How will that look as they then don't have the mid-teens and the early 20s? So you know, a lot, lot to consider in bringing something like this back online. But as a whiskey geek, it's it's wonderful to watch and exciting to watch. But at the same time, I I know that I know there's there's some boardroom considerations to be had to do this the right way. I think at the very least they they have a few things going for them. Obviously, the names. Right, you you can't get any bigger than Brora and Port Ellen and Rosebank. Those are just three massive names. So so that that's that's a, a, a an arrow in their quiver. Another is by comparison when Glenglassa reopened in two thousand eight, the interest in Scotch whiskey was. I mean, it's still in a growth period now, but it was it was a bit more fledgling back then. There, there wasn't the, you know, people were not as keen to try new and different things as they are now. I think if Glen Glassa were to reopen in, in 2021 <laughs> and to release new make and to do the blush, I think I think there would have been more success with that now and it's just a timing thing right so so i'm excited for them from that standpoint as well yeah. which isn't to suggest they didn't have success at the time that's true no i yes and 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 if if that comment suggested that i i did not mean that they they definitely had success and again like Kilhoman, like some of the other like aaron right people were able to follow that evolution and we were part of it, right? We 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 were. We laid Absolutely. down some octaves. We've bottled some Glenglassa. You know, it 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 was exciting, and it, I think the distillery remains exciting. I I kind of wish Brown Foreman would put a bit more attention on Glenglassa. That's another story for another day. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's I I am excited about this, and I hope and trust. That the folks in in the Diageo boardrooms and in the Ian McLeod boardrooms will say, you know what, we need to have a lot of people on the bus, and there will be different levels of uh, of interest here. Well, well, and the hope the hope is it doesn't go down the Mortluck path, which is Mortluck had such a wonderful following, you know as it was bottled by independent bottlers mm-hmm. and and whiskey nerds were in the, the very front seats for Mortluch and then some Mortluch was made available, you know, some OB Mortluch and the pricing was astronomical. And, and, you know, again, we're talking about a smart company. Let's hope a lesson was learned there. Mm-hmm. That, And, and again, I, I feel so heartened by Lagavulin 8 being such an affordable entry offering from a distillery that's not producing huge quantities, that isn't going into a lot of blends, that there was a sense of where pricing can be and where you could bring in a consumer Mm -hmm. and where you could take them through the Lagavulin journey. I really am hopeful, and I hope I'm, 
I hope I'm not being unnecessarily jejun, but um, I, I, I want to be proven right here that, that Diageo are smart and they're going to do smart things. Ten points to Gryffindor for the use of jejun. You're welcome. Um, any, any closing comments before we try to get out of here with a tight 30 to 35? Just that I am so incredibly excited to be getting back to Scotland and visiting these distilleries. We, we've, we've been around them. We've been near them. Being able to visit them, to go inside, to, to be a part of that evolution. I want to track this just like I tracked... Aaron and and Kilhoman and like we're looking at Hollywood. I you know it, it's important and I I want to just stay on top of it, and and that I'm I'm excited for them, for Diageo, which is a weird statement, right? You say I'm excited for Goliath. Yeah, that's that's okay. Goliath is making some really fantastic stuff, so right. I'm excited for them. Yeah, I, I'm excited to have another distillery on Isla to visit. That's... Yeah. And then another one after that as well. But that's another story for another day. We did get an email, uh, and I, I do apologize, I'm, I'm temporarily blanking From on Richard the name. Baum. But we, Richard Baum, thank you. That's mm-hmm. why we're a partnership. Um, he did write into us, I'm sorry we didn't cover you in this episode, Richard, but we will, we will pivot back uh, maybe at some point in the future. Trust us. If you'd like to be <laughs> like Richard and drop us an email, questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. Joshua, at least remember your name, even if I have a senior moment. Mm-hmm. No E uh, in whiskey, as always. And this has been another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. Did you mention the, the email address or did you just yeah. say you can email us and then if you do... Joshua may remember your name, even though I have a senior moment. But remember, there's no E in whiskey. I don't think you gave the actual email address. I thought I said it out loud. I have absolutely no commitment to that belief. Just so, in case, just in case, give it to just us. Just in case, questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No E in whiskey today oh or ever. 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 There we go. All right. I have, I have been Dram Galf. You have been the whiskey cherub. And we're out of here. That we are, Jason. Thank you again. Cheerio. Two chins. Bye.